On this week's show, we have Elaine Thomas. Elaine owns and is the director of Living Floors in Chester. Living Floors is a premium retailer who offers supply and fit on all engineered wood, laminate and LVT, and also has a sanding division. Welcome to the podcast, Elaine Thomas. How are you today? I'm okay today, thank you very much. Good. And can you um, just give us a bit of background about who Elaine Thomas is and where you're from? Oh, so um, I live up in, um, well, I actually live in North Wales in Wrexham, but the business is in Chester. Um, although, as you will tell from the accent, I am originally from Ayrshire in Scotland, although I um, have grown up most of my time down in England. Um, and I own Living Floors Limited in Chester. Um, and I'm also married with two small children. Oh, <laughs> it's lovely. It's lovely to have another female on here with me, actually, yeah, joining on this, because I think sometimes it's a bit of a lonely world, isn't it, for us, for us women in this uh, construction industry. So it's nice for us to chat. Yeah. So let's um, let's hear a bit a bit um, about living uh, living floors. Um, tell me about the history behind you and um, where you've come from, and a bit more about what you do, and um, and yeah, just go okay. for it. Just tell us a yeah. bit more. So um, we are um, a totally independent um, family business. So living floors was set up by my parents Blair and Eleanor in 1997. In Chester, so we're actually 25 years old this year, which is quite scary. Happy birthday! Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so originally we were a, a very small high street shop in Chester city centre, and the, the idea had come about. So, my, my dad had previously worked in advertising, then worked for himself in marketing, and um. He'd, he'd come along sort of hard times and he ended up getting into the, the pattern and printed driveway company business. But they were looking for something to do when the weather was poor in the winter and they basically couldn't do driveways. And from his wow. kind of business dealings in Sweden, he'd seen a lot of sort of wood flooring and, and sort of this new laminate flooring and um, thought it might be worth a whirl and um, off they went got a little shop and, and had a go at it and, and very quickly the, the wood flooring had um, had left the pattern and printed concrete behind so that's that's how living floors was actually sort of set up it, it was just pure gut feel that this might take off um, and I've always thought it was kind of if you look at the timing of sort of 97, it's when things like changing rooms were on TV and all the kind of all the yeah. interior DIY stuff started. Yeah. So I just think it was it was good timing. And you know, and, and that's that's a lovely story. And and I um and I think 25 years, 25 years ago, um starting out on that journey and to to bring the business to where you are now and still being in that business is is just fabulous. Um obviously the last kind of 12 to 18 months has been a a tricky time for a lot of people. Um, what what challenges have you personally faced um, over the last kind of twelve months um, with both the business and and as a business owner? How how have you felt about things in the last um, year or so? I, I think certainly um, if if I go back to that, I think it was a Tuesday, wasn't it? I think it was like the twenty third of March, twenty twenty, when you know mm. I think we we'd sort of you know completely railed against it and thought everything will be okay we'll you know we'll stay open you know we, we'd, we'd done everything to make it covid safe and then i think it was a kind of dawning realization that that 
you know, you, you couldn't really fight this thing. I think turning the key in the lock that day was really scary. Um, thinking primarily about the staff. Um, and I know they were worried about sort of their, their jobs. And then you were thinking about the customers who, you know, you'd ripped up a carpet, you know, a week ago. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. what were we going to do with them? How were we going to explain it to them? And I, I think it was, there was definitely an air of panic at first. Um, but then I think you just have to, you know, go, right, well, we're in this, you know, what are we going to do with it? And, um, you know, like everybody else, we sort of found a way to to work safely through it, you know, to to work with the customers, to work with the staff. Um, but it, it, it certainly was, you know, 50% panic and 50%, I can't say it's a good thing, but it really made you sit back and look at the business with very different eyes. And, and you know, I think there's probably some good things to have come out of it as, as well as the initial fear and panic. Yeah, I think um, when that, I think we had, was it a couple of weeks, wasn't it, of kind of hearsay in the background yeah. as to there was this COVID virus and, you know, and I remember myself just sitting there that night and watching that thing of you must stay at home. And I was thinking, oh, shit. <laughs> right. That's not what we did. Um, yeah, that's not quite right. Uh, what do we do now? And I think I, I think for the first time in a long time, I actually sat there gobsmacked for about 45 minutes to an hour going, oh, okay, so what does this mean? Um, really, Yeah, it was a really, really strange time, wasn't it? And I, and I think um, a lot of people did exactly that. It was just straight blind panic to start off with. And then as people then seemed to settle into that this was kind of going to be the norm and it was going to be certainly the norm for a few a few months now, people started to pivot and do things differently, started looking at their businesses. And I mean, is is the COVID situa situation that one of the biggest challenges that you've ever faced or is there something else out there that, you know, in your experience has been a more trying or testing time for you? Uh, I think I think generally for the business, you know, COVID was, was unprecedented. I mean, I think personally in the business, um, you know, we, we had quite a, you know, and I, I'm quite happy to, you know, people might remember my, my father, Blair, who set the business up and he was a really big character, but... Um, you know, he was very much the figurehead of the business. Um, and, and unfortunately, in 2016, um, he was diagnosed completely out of the blue with um, a malignant brain tumour. And he had to come out of business immediately. And at that point, I had a six-week-old baby. Um, and I think for me, the realisation that any, any plans that I had for taking a bit of time out were, were gone... Um, and I think that's the thing. I think when it's sort of, you know, family business, there, there's a commitment there that I couldn't just walk away. And I, I think for me, um, that was probably a harder time than COVID because you, you had to sort of put any other plans that you'd made to one side and go, right, OK, you know, how do we do this? And, and you do just do it. And, you know, I have a, a child now who I'm sure is very sociable because she spent a long time in a sling serving customers. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, for me personally, that that was a harder juggle because, you know, th there was a lot going on at one time there. Um, so, yeah, COVID, COVID was difficult, but um, I think because everybody was going through that, there, there was more understanding. And everybody was in the same boat, wasn't it? There wasn't there wasn't anybody that could do things differently no. to how everybody else was doing it. And 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 yeah, you know, going back to that period of time in your life, um, 
there is that, that I suppose is that there's a massive, massive amount of emotional connection there as well and being thrown into the deep end and having to deal with becoming a new mum and taking the reins of the business the way that you did. Um, I can I can certainly um, agree with you that that would be a testing time for anybody. Now you've, you've you've got two children, haven't you? So um, how how old are the children? So I've got a daughter Eriska who is almost six, and um, a son Sebastian who's three. So uh, between them and the business, they keep me on my toes. <laughs> <laughs> and how how do you, how do you balance your time um, between um, the business and and family life? Because I think it's probably one of the biggest things that everybody tries to. Um, tries to do really, really well. Um, we, we talk about this, you know, this thing of work-life balance. I, you know, I try and say that it's more of a work-life um, oh. harmony. <laughs> yeah, harmony is probably the better way. I don't think anybody can get a perfect work-life balance because, you know, there's always something that has to give. Um, but how do you, how do you, how do you balance your time as, as much as you can? I think like, like everybody, I, I try as much as I can. And I think anybody that works in, in this industry knows that it, it is quite all-consuming. I think, you know, it, it's quite... A business like Living Floors is probably, you know, you're, you're doing a combination of you're a little bit of service, you're a little bit of retail, you're a little bit of construction, you're a little bit of design. You know, you've got a shop with, with customers coming in, you're going out and you're doing site visits, you're, you're working with designers. It's, you know, it, 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 that's what makes it wonderful as a business. But you wear so many hats. Um that it it is quite all-consuming. I think I, I listened to um, Holly Tucker, who set up Not on the High Street years ago, and she was speaking about sort of mum guilt when she had her, her son and she was setting up the business. And, and actually, she sort of said, sometimes when it's your business, there is no real divide. And, and the key is to try and make sure that, you know, you have that quality time when you do. But actually, you look back and the kids sometimes quite enjoy getting involved in the business and things like that as well. So mm-hmm. you, you, I yeah. think if you try and say, I'm going to have a complete split, you're going to fail. So I think it's trying to make them, as you say, harmony, trying to mesh them together as, as much as you can. Mum guilt is a real thing. Oh, totally. Um, and as and, and as you say, being in this industry is um is is very all time consuming, and um, I think I probably spent. I've got a um eleven year old and a six year old, and I think for probably ten years up until the time of COVID, actually, I had mum guilt all the time. You know, it would be five, six, seven days a week working. Um, I I just generally. You know, we we try to get that harmony between work and yeah. and, and home life, and um, as you say, just trust the process. And I think you f- you do forget that they do actually enjoy coming in and doing those things and being around people and being surrounded by um, other people and having those interactions and seeing that work ethic as well. Um, I always wondered what it would be like to be a, a stay-at-home mum and there's nothing wrong with being a stay-at-home mum um, but I think if you don't have it you, you often want something you don't have yeah. and uh, um, I think Covid gave me um, the ability to um, to trial that for a period of time and if I'm honest I absolutely hated it I don't know what you <laughs> felt it's weird doesn't it because you you do always think oh yeah. you know if I had the time and you know and I suppose it was weird because you couldn't really go anywhere but I mean yeah I mean it, it did say to me that there is no way and I take my hat off to anybody that stays at home full-time with small children 
I don't think I could do that. Absolutely. <laughs> no, exactly. I think, um, but I think, I think that maybe the difference was, because I've said this to a few people that I, um, I still worked all the way through yeah, that pandemic at home on Zoom, doing the design consultations at home and creating content and everything else and having the two children both at very, very different ages as well oh. and different needs educationally and socially was a real struggle. And um, yeah, I just, you know, I try and set time aside and say, right, we're going to bake this morning. And um, I think I ended up a bit more stressed than I would be normally because I'm just not used to that. And that mum guilt that I've always had, the 10 years of mum guilt that I always had disappeared afterwards. And I thought, you know what? It's just not me. I'm just not built for being at home. And as you say, hats off to anybody that can, that can, that's a stay at home mom or a stay at home dad. Um, it's really hard work. It's really tough work. No, um, but I'm, you know, yeah. Um, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't change a thing. I wouldn't change a thing about how, how um, we integrate our children into our work now. And even actually, um, but just, um, just before new year, um, our oldest actually came on a, a training day that we were held, um, that we held up here and looking at um, clarity of vision and getting him involved with things like that is, is just, is phenomenal. And I think we can teach our children quite a bit no, I'd, through, I'd, I'd, through doing things like that. Definitely. But you know, there's, there's a lot of kind of life lessons that you can take from, and sometimes I think, well, maybe I'm a bit strange because, um, you know, when, when my dad was working for himself and he set up sort of the driveway company and, and then living floors, sort of I was I was sort of a teenager, my, my brother was a younger teenager. So maybe to an extent we've grown up that that's normal, you know. Um, but you know, I, I, I think it's it's a good thing. And the, the thing is it's got to be because, you know, these are our businesses, you know, they thrive with us in them. Um, you know, and if you're you're happy in the business, you're gonna be happier at home and, and vice versa. What do you think is the biggest challenge in the flooring industry right now? Oh. Now that we've moved on from COVID, what's 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 the challenge for us now? I think there's a few things. I mean, I think you've got the practical things that we've probably all experienced, which are, are namely supply issues and, and price hikes. Um, and, and I don't think that they are going away. Um, and I do think that the kind of COVID tolerance that, that customers maybe had sort of last year has worn off. Um you know, so I think you've just got to be way more careful than you used to be in terms of um, promising things. You, you've got to be prepared with alternatives. So if a customer falls in love with a product and that's just not available, you, you've got to be able to think on your feet and, and have alternatives for them. And I think, you know, the, the, the cost price sort of issue you're always going to have, you've had COVID, you've had Brexit, there's things like that. But I think going ahead, there's there's the environmental side of things that's going to come higher into it. You know, if, if you want your business to be ethical and, and you want to be buying everything that's responsibly sourced, you're going to have to pay more for that. But then that's a, a case of explaining to the consumer, you know, you've got sort of, you know, waste management and trying to recycle more and, and things like that, which I'm always quite keen to, to do as a business. Um, yeah. so I think from a practical point that of view, money, it does, it, it, it yeah. does cost money. Yeah. And I think, you know, sometimes people will look and kind of think, well, you know, living floors are, are more expensive than the next Y or Z. And it's, it's that it goes back to the connection with the customer, I think, and, and actually explaining exactly what we do and why we do, you know, and, and why they're going to have a, a fantastic floor, you know, and everything's going to be done, you know, really well from start to finish. And, that is why I think somebody would, would come to us. You know, they're not going to come to us because we're 
necessarily going to be the cheapest quote, but I would like to think that they they, they see us as as experts, you know, in the sort of design and the installation, but also in the way that we run the business as well. And I think people are quite interested in that kind of whole um, service thing at the moment, and and they want to know. Customers are very well informed about where does the wood come from and you know if you're doing um you know lvt you know you know do you recycle waste and things like that Pe- people are much more switched on these days yeah and i think um i mean it's been quite apparent in the food industry hasn't it with them um, like the the veganism yeah. and um just this i think this more conscious effort about the footprint that we're leaving and the sustainability and um, all of those things, as you say. Um, You know, we've even got, you know, um, low VOC adhesives and things like that that are on the market. And, um, you know, it surprised me in the last kind of 12 months or so that consumers are asking these questions now. And it's really good to have them invested in in the same things that we are as, um, as flooring experts as well. Um, and it isn't, um, or as you say, it's all, not always about this, um, the, um, the the price of something. It's the service that somebody's going to receive as well. Yeah. So, in terms of the services that um, Living Floors provides, what give give everybody an overview of the kind of things that you do and who your suppliers are, and um, you know what makes you tick on a day to day basis. Okay, so so I would say we we we've definitely got our place in the market. So we're definitely that kind of. Um, upper middle to sort of high-end residential that that is our kind of sweet spot if you like that that is where we work we do some very small scale commercial stuff but really it, it is somebody who's got a you know a, a really lovely home um and they want somebody to come in um and and sort of assist them with it really you know the, the thing that we do is we try to provide that whole service so from the kind of design and, and making sure that aesthetically and and from a you know a maintenance point of view and everything that, that we've we've given them the right floor you know that's right for their lifestyle as well as the look of the property um through to the the, the subfloor preparation which we all know is key in terms of you know wood flooring so we, we do our own subfloor prep you know I'm, I'm really lucky I've got a great team around me I've got some brilliant staff I've got some you know really good installers that have been with us for a long time um, you know, I know that they go out and, and they will do a fantastic job, you know, and then it's right through to the end to to sort of making sure that everyone's happy, that they've got the correct stuff to maintain the floor. Um, so, so really, it's that kind of residential, mostly real wood flooring, although we do some sort of, you know, high end um, laminates and, and LVT. LVT, I think, at the moment is, is you know, really popular. I'd love to know who does the marketing. <laughs> um, <laughs> because they've done an amazing job um so yeah so we we offer that because i think you know that there is a sector of the market that you know that's what they want um we also do a couple of other little bits we have a, a sanding and finishing service so i've got a brilliant chap dom who um goes out and finishes our own floors that we install but we also do some sort of restoration work and things like that as well yeah, no, that sounds excellent. The um, I think one of the things that you said there about um working alongside individuals that want more of a um a, of a full package, I think that's really prominent at the moment, isn't it? And um, what advice would you give to um maybe individuals that aren't in a retail environment? How do they um how how could they provide that kind of same services as you do without those premises? Is there any top tips that you would give people? Um, 
I mean, people come into the showroom, definitely. Um, and, you know, we're very lucky. We've got a really nice showroom. You know, we were lucky enough to sort of move during this sort of lockdown last year. Um, and we have got a lovely showroom, but you, you often find that the actual final sale is made when you're in the customer's home. So I, I think if I didn't have a showroom, you know, my, my key points would be, you know, you're in the home, it's, it's still create that relationship with the customer, you know, get to know them, get to know their home, get to know their needs, you know, and identify. Because a, a lot of people don't really know what they want. They know they want a wood floor and they might come in and they know they want light oak or something like that. But they're not necessarily informed in terms of textures, finishes, grades, you know, so I think there's a lot you can do to, to give that advice to people. And I think they recognise your expertise then. I think to have decent, you know, good sample boards, good sized sample boards that will really give people, you know, a feel for what the, the finished floor will be like. And I think the last thing and, and, and you know, where I think we win business is it's communication. I think that customers these days are such a fast paced world, you know, and everybody, you know, wants information now. And I just think being able to, you know, communicate effectively with a customer sometimes is what wins us the business over somebody who may be working for themselves and they're really busy and they're, they're maybe outfitting during the day and they're squeezing stuff in and around it. And I think sometimes that's maybe the only place that they fall down. And I think if they looked at that, you know, they would do better. That's really good advice, actually. And we hear that all the time. Yeah. And I think one of the things that I've um, probably um, spoken to many people in that same situation about is um, what we call a class as time blocking. Um, so time blocking would be just to set aside, um, you know, time maybe, you know, between two and three in the afternoon just to make all your return calls, make sure there's an answer phone message on there um, that just says we return all calls between a particular time. And as you say, it's just communicating that message. It's no good to anybody trying to pick up, you know, if you're in the middle of a, a sanding job and you have to pick up your phone halfway through, you're then down in tours and you're walking outside, then you write in the name on a piece of, you know, a scrap piece of it. paper, then it gets lost. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> then you lose it and then, um, then you forget about it and then you turn up the next day. Um, yeah, absolutely. And I understand 100% how difficult oh, that must be yeah. for those individuals that are it's doing that. It's hard enough in here. Um, but it is. And there's, but there's so many things that you can yeah. do and so many little tricks that you can put into yeah. place just to, to help help through that. So that's really good advice. So um, what's the biggest investment that you have ever made into, uh, into Living Floors to, to grow your business? Oh, my gosh. Um That's a hard one. Um, I think it's different, isn't it? Because there's, there's kind of, you know, there's monetary investment, you know, and, and you could look at making the decision in, in 2021 to, to move across and, and to the new showroom. And, and when we did that, we kind of... Brave. Yeah. <laughs> we kind of yeah. changed our, our look and what we were doing and, and we really went much more at market and made it less of a kind of warehouse and we had less stock on the floor and, and you know so, so I suppose that was an investment in the money that it cost us and kind of you know dilapidations and doing the new showroom and everything like that you know that that's an investment but then I think the other thing is is actually sort of you know investing in your staff in terms of sort of training and you know the things that you were talking about really simple things like um time blocking and just you know, things to make you much more efficient and effective. So I don't think it's always necessarily about putting cash into the business. I think there's a lot that you can do 
in terms of people's mindsets and, and them feeling happy and, and positive in their role at work and feeling that they've got everything they need to do their job properly. It, in many ways, that, that's that's what's going to to get you more business rather than throwing money at it. Yeah, and it's time, it isn't is. it? It's your time. It's your time trying to train your team to um to to follow the direction that you've set out for the vision for your business. Oh, yeah. Um and making sure that, you know, you're a family business. So you want to make sure that it's a family environment for everybody there. So obviously how how have you grown how have you grown your tra- team has have, have the staff been there a long time who's who's in that team that you work so with we've got a, a most of them basis? have been there a long time so I, I have um a, a brilliant guy called alan who's our showroom manager and years ago alan was a fitter and i think as happens to a lot of them they, they then end up kind of changing sides if you like and um you know alan's just fantastic with the customers um you know brilliant personality he's got that fitting experience so you know he's great at going out and doing estimates and picking up on things um you know and 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 i'm very sad at the moment really because he's going to he's dropping down to sort of three days and it's a really exciting time for him you know both his children are having babies at the same time so he's going to be a granddad oh. in a few months <laughs> um, you know, and, and I'm sad to lose him full time, but, you know, I can see how excited he is about that. Um, so we, we're in a bit of a, a state of flux with staff at the moment. Anna has been here a long time. She does a lot of the admin and sort of speaking to customers on the phone. She's leaving to have a baby in March. Wow. Um, Dominic, who does our sanding, was with us previously in the showroom and trained up to do the sanding. And he's just you know, just a brilliant employee, such a nice guy, loads of lovely feedback from customers. Um, and I've got my two part-time sort of warehouse driver guys, one of whom is 75 and still insists on working a day wow. a week. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, that, what a work ethic. Yeah, and then I've just taken on a, a new guy recently, which is, you know, we haven't taken on anybody new for a long time, so it always feels a bit strange. Um and I always say people come to living floors and they either stay for two weeks and think I can't take this. It's like spinning too many plates <laughs> or they stay for a for a long, long time, you know. Um, yeah. So Will's just joined us and, and and he hasn't run away yet. He's still here. Um, That's good. Yeah. And then I, I've got, you know, Pete and Grant, you know, who are, who are our key fitters and, you know, they, they've both been doing work for us for probably kind of 12 years plus. So yeah, your staffing situation. Oh, it's exciting times for your staff, isn't it? it? Is. But it must be um a little bit nervy for, for me you as well. <laughs> nervy, yeah. Nervy for you that there's this change that's coming. Um, you know, it, it's one of those things though, isn't it? But I've um I don't know about you, but you know, how how have you felt that um the recruitment process has been? Because um we get feedback every day that the there's no real fresh blood coming through yeah. the system or coming through the industry. And um I just see an, an aging population of fitters and nobody kind of under the age of twenty five anymore. I think we're um, Where is everybody yeah. going? I don't know. I I think as an industry and and I know that there's stuff that, that goes on and, and you've got, you know, the BWFA and you've got fitter and things like that. But I just think floor fitting, it, it, it it's a real skill, you know, and especially when I watch the guys do Chevron and Herringbone and you see them do borders. And I just think it's really undervalued as a profession. 
you know, and I think it, it's not something I'm guessing anybody ever talks about in school. They might talk about trades like being an electrician or a plumber or something like being that. A yeah, a joiner. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But a wood floor fitter is, is quite a unique thing. You know, it's, it is. you know, you, there, there's, you know, floor fitting courses at college. But I know we've taken on people from them and they've, they've maybe done wood for a couple of days and that's it. Yeah. Um, so I, yeah, I, yeah it, it, it really is. And, and you're dealing with high value products you know, so people have got to know what they're doing. And I'm guilty of that. And Pete and Grant wouldn't mind me saying this, but they're not really young. Um, so they're they're fantastic at what they do, um, but they're not going to be doing it forever. But I think as a as a business owner, and I think I think it's quite difficult. A lot of people in this business that have a business like mine are an ex-fitter. Um, or they're a husband and wife team and and the husband was a fitter or something like that. So, of course, I'm not a fitter. Snap. You know, I can go out and I can open boxes and I can help, but I'm not a fitter. And I think there's a a real nervousness about taking on somebody new because I've I've seen it and had my fingers burnt over the years where somebody seems fantastic and they show you this wonderful work and they've got a couple of great testimonials and they're great for four months and then they're awful and it's our name and reputation on the line. And I think it's it's one of the, I always say to the, the lads, and it's true, no matter how good the showroom looks, how amazing we are at our service and everything, if that floor is not fitted properly, you know, that's where it all falls down. That That is the key bit in the business at the end of the day. It is, and you're, you're absolutely right. I think um, in terms of the training that's out there, one thing actually that gets me is that we're, this industry is completely unregulated. Yeah. And as you say, it's a, it's a forgotten trade. Um, you know, when we have um, we have um, it, people online selling these products as DIY, you know, it, it does go wrong. It, you know, and I see it every yeah. day that it goes wrong. It is so specialist and it needs such an amount of skill to get it right, to do it properly. Yeah. It can go wrong terribly. We're talking about adding value in most cases to somebody's home. Now, you know, if you were, you know, as an electrician, as a plumber, you have to do formal training, ongoing formal training, you're regulated, you know, I suppose not fitting, you know, if you, um, if you get something wrong in electrical, you, you know, you could cost someone's life. You, I don't, I don't suspect that would be the case with, um, with wood flooring, but, um, there's no, there's no regulate there's nobody there that's making sure that the people that are installing these floors are doing so um with um absolute due care and diligence and they're being advised correctly etc etc and it's such a shame that even with the apprenticeships that are coming through as you say the um they'll have i've taken on apprentices before and um we've we've had um maybe six or seven apprentices that have gone through um our our fitting installation business that have all done vocational training um some of them continue with that vocational training all the way through um and i think is it called resilient resilient floor coverings or something like that um for apprenticeships but we can't offer those anymore because the the standards that they are assessed on we don't do as flooring installers You know, um, and so it, there's just a massive lack there. And and I do worry about the industry going forward um, because there isn't that flesh, fresh blood coming through. It's how we get people into the into this line of work so that it can continue. I, I would hate to think that it would be a dying breed. Oh, um, yeah, but, it's, um, you know, and it's, we'll you look at, at how busy it is at the moment and you think, well, yes. you know, the, the demand is there. 
Um, but yeah, I completely agree with you. I, I don't know who sort of jumps on it, but it would be lovely as an employer to sort of think, right, you know, we, we want to take somebody on and, and we know that because, you know, this person has got these qualifications, we know they're at a good basic level because, you know, I, I, we, we're putting people into people's homes. You know, it, it's not contract flooring. They're not fitting out, you know, a, a big office space that's closed. You know, you're you're dealing with people's personal possessions. You know, that they've not only got to be really good technically, they've got to be able to, to converse with people. They've got to be polite. They've got to look smart. You know, they, they've got to be the full package, really. Well, if you find somebody... I'm sure <laughs> if you can share them, that would be awesome. No, no, no. It also it also gets harder, doesn't it? <laughs> when they as you're getting older, I see um some of the guys um up here that they are getting older and everything seems to just get heavier. I mean, I back in the day I used to, you know, unload, unload wagons and you know, handball stuff off and 25, 30 kilo packs of wood and but I you know, I find that quite difficult now. And you know, individual people that are working on their own doing this day in day out it is so hard on their it's bodies it must be so hard on them physically yeah. mentally um you know and yeah i just um i just hope that you know through through doing things like this and through through the podcast and the training that we're, we're also providing and um having that more joined up approach in the industry um it might just spur some people on no, to, I hope to get involved so, because and, hard and as it is it, it's also a really interest and exciting industry to work in you know and, and seeing the end results Huge. it's satisfying as well yeah yeah I agree with you on that one so um let's talk about um you then let's have a what's your morning routine like Elaine and um, what do you what's your what's your day start off like? so my husband thinks I'm nuts <laughs> because I get up <laughs> at about quarter past five in the morning <laughs> um mm-hmm. but genuinely I'm um, that that sort of hour and a half um before everybody else is up in the house I really honestly find that if if I can get that in it, it makes a massive difference to my day because it gives me a, a bit of peace and quiet for myself um so I can have coffee in peace um I will um always have a look at my diary and you know just just run through so I know what I'm doing that day um you know I don't want any surprises or, or scares you know how is everything sorted for the kids is everything you know all my measures booked in have I got everything that I need um and I have to admit I've always been really cynical about um mindfulness or meditation or anything like that I, I just used to think oh you know complete and utter what a joke you know who's got time to do anything like that what a waste of time I'm, I'm a doer a of you know I like <laughs> doing yeah. stuff but I have I honestly have tried I've put the karma on my phone and I have been trying to, to do sort of 10 minutes in the morning and and I genuinely do think it, it helps because once you come into into here it is full on for the time that you're here so I, I do try and take that little bit of time in, in the morning to just get organised, have a bit of a think, take the dog out for a walk in the dark with the, the other random people that you see with a head torch on. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I, I do actually, I miss it now if I don't do it. So, um, yeah, it, it kind of sounds crazy, but I think once you kind of get into the habit of doing that, um, I can't imagine not doing it now. Don't people call that like the power hour? Yeah, I can imagine the power. Why. You know, mindful mindfulness morning yeah. and um just taking that time out as you know, sometimes just to reflect. Reflect on the wins from the day before and and think about and as you say, um plan for the day ahead. Get that exercise. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. But um, one thing with that, how how do you manage to get up without working the rest of the house? Because for me, that's an impractical. Oh, I, I have I to can't admit, sneak out. I'm, I, I, I try to be really quiet, although I, my heart sinks if I hear the patter of tiny feet upstairs. So I think, oh, right, that's it. No, 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 I can't do anything yeah. now. You know, then it's um, CBBS goes on and that's it. So, um, yeah, it's I, I do creep out a bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, the um, the five a.m. creep. Yeah. yeah, I've yeah, I've done that plenty of times when you're just about to step down the stairs and the door opens and there's a five year old oh, stood no. there and they're like, "Oh, hi, mummy," and you think, "Oh God, here we go." Yeah. <laughs> I'm not getting anything done now. This is just not working. But um, well, at least you, know, you, yeah, you can, but try exactly. And I think one of my favourite sayings is proper planning prevents piss poor performance. Oh yeah, That's, I remember. Um, I remember that being taught yeah. to me many, many years ago when I worked at the yeah. local newspaper. And yeah, you're absolutely right. And it's um, you know, there's there's just nothing worse than than letting somebody down or that horrible feeling when you kind of realise that you've missed something or you know you've double booked something or it 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 really is you know because it's such a busy business you've got to take that time otherwise it it just doesn't work yeah exactly or that moment when you realize you've just dropped the children off at school and you think oh god I've forgotten that it's poppy day today uh, Yeah, and they needed a pound and they're going to be horrified that they didn't have that pound coin. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, doing that first thing in the morning, get it yeah. out of the way and it, it just does the day up, day up brilliantly. And I think that's great advice for anybody if they haven't before. Um, you know, same as you, it's a bit like, oh, it's like all this woo-woo shit. You know, it's it's not really. No, and, and I, um, I have to say, I mean, I, I, you know, if you spoke to my mother, I mean, I am the most disorganized person in the world. I am not naturally organized. So if anybody's listening to this and thinking, God, you know, she's that is not me. But I've really had I've, I've, I've had my fingers burnt that many times where it, there comes a point where you go, I can't live my life like this. I'm running around like the proverbial headless chicken. And, um, you know, I've got to do something about it. And, and honestly, for anybody else that's out there, just try because it really, it really does help. And I think as well, one of the key things with that is that it's not just a case of trying for a no, week, two weeks. It's not be working. Consistent. It's about consistent. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I like that. We're, we're kind of in tune with that. And consistency is the key, yeah. isn't it? So I think they say that um, on average, it takes about 66 days yeah. to... Um, create a habit um, something that becomes natural so 66 days of consistency thereafter it then becomes it comes natural for you and it's just about concentrating changing one thing at a time isn't it as well so you know everybody that starts the new year and like oh well we're going to lose weight I'm going to stop drinking I'm going to stop smoking I'm going to stop doing x y and z and they try and do all of those things all at once and it never works but if you could just introduce one thing like you say just getting up a little bit earlier, setting some time aside and just getting getting ahead of the game, planning your day. It, it it sets you up for good forecast and your performance increases as well, doesn't it? So it's a win-win. Oh, definitely. What's the biggest mistake you've ever made? <laughs> How long have you got? <laughs> <laughs> um, oh well. my gosh. I'm sure there are I'm, I'm sure there are many. I'm I'm trying to think now that there will have been countless over the years. And sadly, I do think sometimes the only way you learn is is when you've actually made these mistakes. Um mm. I'm just trying to think. Is there a funny one you can share with us? Oh gosh. My brain's gone completely blank. Um <laughs> I'm 
pretty sure that um, there have been many times where something has been measured incorrectly. I'm sure that there have <laughs> been times when um, in the years before you really knew any better that you've you've basically sold somebody completely the wrong product for them. Um, I'm just trying to think that there will be loads, um, but I can't think of them just now. It's it's so easy to make mistakes in this business. So easy. It is. But you learn, you say, you learn from them, don't you? And you move on from them. And some of them, um, my, my husband will hate me for saying this, but one of the things he did recently, which just made me laugh so loudly, he um, he put a post on um, on Facebook. He'd created a post on Facebook, which was um, was really lengthy, and it was an introduction. You know, who who are we? Um, what we do? Introduce yourself, that kind of thing. And um, after about half an hour, he says, oh, "I hope this post isn't going to flop." And when I realized, I looked at it and I realized he'd actually just posted it on his own Facebook feed. Now, he hasn't got any friends friends on Facebook or anything like that. Um, he's got a few on there, but there's nobody that would potentially look at look at that post. And he'd not put it in the group he was meant to put on it. And he was he was absolutely mortified that he that he'd put it on his own Facebook on his own Facebook page so that everybody could uh, have a look at it and think, oh, what on earth is he on about? Why is he introducing himself? <laughs> so, um, but you do little things like that as well, don't you? Just little silly mistakes that you make and you've just got to laugh them off, shrug them off and just move yeah, on. Yeah, that's all you can do. Yeah, exactly. So what's next for Living Floors? I think it's a really interesting time. I think we've got that, you know, you know we're 25 years old this year. So I, I, I do think it is... Um, you know, how do we take the business forward? And I think probably, you know, I'm a little bit more comfortable running the business now rather than it, it being sort of my parents' business. You know, it now, you know, it takes a while, I think. It's like breaking in a new pair of shoes. Um, you know, and, I, and I've got different views and, and ways that I would like to take the business forward. I think just to, to really carve out that sort of identity in sort of Cheshire and sort of Wirral and North Wales as, as being the sort of, you know, go-to sort of, you know, wood floor experts really um you know we've got the experience you know we've got the staff um you know i think for us it's probably harnessing technology a little bit better than we have and you know maybe trying to, to sort of bring the website on a little bit and you know how can we be a little bit more interactive you know do we do a youtube channel um i don't our business will never just go online because we're more than just buying a product um it's not about that, but I do think what people want is they want to be able to sit at home and, and, and have, you know, a look around your showroom. You know, they want to be able to find the products. They want to order the samples to their house. So I think we've got to get more on board with that and, and be able to, to deliver that to the customers. There will still always be the, the human connection, the appointment, the measure, you know, them coming into the showroom. But uh, I, I would like to get more on board with that side of things really this year. That sounds exciting. Yeah. Convenient. Yeah, absolutely. Word, and though, it, I think it? it's, you know, mm -hmm. having, you know, I don't think it's, you know, it's bricks and mortar showroom or online. I think it's it's trying to mesh both of them now that is the key thing. You, you've got to have both both arms working. Yep, sounds exciting. Yeah. So, as with all the other podcasts that we've we've done, we're going to do a bit of a quick fire now, just to get to know you a little okay. bit more, a little bit of fun. <laughs> so, um, McDonald's or Burger King? Oh, McDonald's. Every, oh, always everything about it, McDonald's over Burger King. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Sunbathing or skiing? Ooh. Never been skiing, but love to try it. Beer or wine? Wine. Do you like white, white, red or rosé? Red. Red. <laughs> A nice glass of red. Um, plank or herringbone? Ooh. Plank. Controversial. Okay. I was gonna... <laughs> controversial. <laughs> um, if if you won ten million, what would you spend it on? Oh my gosh! Um, beachside house and Cape Cod. <laughs> <laughs> would you give up the day job? Probably not. <laughs> <It's adapted. laughs> yeah. You'd be bored. I do live in floors in Cape Cod <laughs> for the holiday home. Yeah, exactly. Um, tea or coffee? Coffee. Mash, roasties or chips? Oh, um, roasties. Or all? Well, all of them, actually, yeah. Carb fair. <laughs> um, what's your dream car? Oh, um, maybe a really nice dark blue Aston Martin. Very good. That's funny, actually. Quite a few people have said Aston mm. Martins. Mm, dream car. Um, Coke or Pepsi? Oh, Coke. Yeah, all day. Yeah. And that is that a full fat? Oh or yeah, diet? definitely. Full Proper fat. Coke. Okay, all the all way. <laughs> Proper coke. Teaspoons of sugar exactly. or whatever it is. <laughs> is that right? Is that? Oh, how I many don't. Do I try not to think that, about it. Okay. Uh, yeah, just go with it. It quenches your thirst, doesn't it? At the end of the day. So, um, just to finish off, then, how do our listeners get in touch with you and your team? Um, so we, you can get in touch with us, um, have a look at the website, which is living-floors.co.uk, or you can find us on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram. Um, have a little look. We're, we, we try and be fairly active and, and get some of the sort of work in progress and, and finished shots up there so you can take a look at what we've been up to. You know, we're, we're lucky enough to live in an area where we, we get to do really nice projects. Um, so there's always some cool stuff to have a look at there. Thank you so much for coming Thank on the you. podcast this morning, Elaine. It's been really great chatting to you um, and hearing about you and your business. And I hope, I hope you've enjoyed it. Oh, yeah, it's been fantastic. Lovely to chat to you as well, Sarah. If you'd like to find out more information about what we do, you can visit our website at cockerellandco.co.uk. That's cockerellandco.co.uk. We also have an Instagram account, which is cockerellandco, and also we are on Facebook. Once again, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast, and we look forward to seeing you here again soon.